you know, we were talking about how he saved my life, and he's like, yeah, what was I supposed to do, man? Go home to Mrs. Lynch and tell him, tell her I lost your, your son? Jeez. And uh, I remember, like, hearing him say that and knowing that, like, that was the truth. Like, he really believed that. Like, he was willing to die for me. And that was a connection that me and him, you know, that will never go away. Like, that is, like, best friends forever, for yeah. sure. Welcome to Modern Happiness, where we believe happiness is a choice. Our goal is to share how we and our high-performing guests choose happiness, covering topics such as fitness, mindset, relationships, business, and much more in today's world. Here are your hosts, Matt Mahalik and Taylor Sleaford. What's up, everybody? Matt and Taylor here, and we wanted to remind you as a thank you for listening to our podcast. If you leave a five-star review and a written review... We are giving away a $150 Amazon gift card. So please, again, leave a five-star rating and then review the podcast. So not only can you possibly win $150, but we get a chance to shout you out. And here we go. Taylor's going to give you the shout-out of this week. All right, guys. Taylor back here with another review. This one comes from Cinch Hades. He says, I love listening to these guys. You can really feel their incredible energy and uplifting spirit. There's tons of valuable information and tools to incorporate into your own life. I feel like I'm happier already. 10 out of five stars. Wow. Thanks so much for the 10 out of five stars. Appreciate you. Hope you guys enjoy this episode. We are live. Welcome back, guys, to another episode, Modern Happiness. Today, we have an awesome guest, one of our good friends. Uh, and the theme of adventure, we woke up at... Uh, 5.45 this morning, went snowboarding, free refills at Copper Mountain, and uh, you're going to love to hear what this guy has to say. Matt, would you intro him? Yeah, guys, we have Hayden Lynch here today. Uh, he hails from New Hampshire, currently lives in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. He's gone skiing, I think, like 50 times this year. You can correct me. Yep, um, he's like an incredible, incredible photographer, and he's a wonderful storyteller. So you're about to experience that today, right now. So, Hayden, welcome to Modern Happiness. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I'm stoked to be here. Hell yeah, we're happy to have you. So happy to have you. All right, we're going to kick it off with some rapid fire. I'm ready. The big boy Matt's going to start over here. And this hails from, well, I don't know why I keep using the word hail. Uh, this comes from one of your word. friends, yeah. and we all want to know, dying question. Mm -hmm. This is a new question for all of you listeners. This is a lot of hype. Yeah. Do you wipe with your left or right? You know, so I've never actually been asked this question before. This is the first for me, uh, but I wipe with my right hand, always. Same, same here. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, right, for sure. We'll try and keep this rapid fire. Hit it, Taylor. Okay, where, uh, Matt covered a little bit, but where are you from and where do you live now? So I'm from New Hampshire. I'm from a small town, Hoppington, New Hampshire, like 3,000 people, and I currently live in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Did live here for a bit with you guys. Denver, um, Colorado. Denver, Colorado, but headed up north uh, just to be close to the mountains. Yeah, yeah, wow, I totally stole that rapid fire from you. I'll try not to do that. <laughs> Uh, cool. What is your favorite thing to do for fun? Favorite thing to do for fun. So a couple of things. I, I don't really have one thing, I guess, you know, hiking is huge for me, just being outside. Um, and then newly is piano. I love yeah, to play piano. It's super meditative and just kind of very, very relaxing. You threw up some piano on your Instagram story. Um, it was probably a few weeks ago and I was like, I love, I love me some classical music. I'm not, you know, not big into it, but like you know, when it comes on, I, I can get really into it. And man, I loved what you were playing. It was, mm -hmm. do you remember what that was? I responded to you. Uh, well, I played La La Land. 
Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. 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 Uh, and now I'm like, it's a fun I got, one to I gotta play. watch that. Yeah. I know we suck at rapid fire, but let's keep it going. <laughs> uh, all right, Hidden, what's your walk up song? My walk up song. So, this is actually a funny story. When I was in, I was nine years old, we actually got a stereo speaker for our baseball games and we each picked our own walk up music. Oh, yeah. Yes. I go. picked Here Comes the Boom from uh, Longest Yard. Here comes up. Sick. Here yeah. comes up. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that'd still be my walk-up song, but you know, I'm just gonna ride with that one. I, yeah. I think it should be yeah. forever. You're, I love it. That is tight now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite book? Hmm. Got a one. tough one, man. Yeah. You know, I really liked Shoe Dog by uh, Phil mm, Knight, the founder of uh, Nike. Yeah. That's pretty much what inspired me to travel. That was like one of my huge influences. So. I don't necessarily know if it's my favorite book, but it was very influential on me. Yeah. Great answer. All right, Hayden, do you have a nickname? Yeah, it's Hades. So all my really good close friends and my parents call me Hades. They always have. Um, recently in college, people call me Cinch, which is where I get the Instagram name, Cinch Hades. Mm. Awesome. Um, what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, this is another funny story. Um, when I was <laughs> all really, the funny stories. I was, so many stories. I haven't really laughed yet. But. <laughs> what? <laughs> look, look at him right now. Go, if you're not on YouTube, go to YouTube right now. Look at Matt. He's, I'm laughing he's crying. <laughs> so when I was, there were two things I said I wanted to be when I was a little kid, like real little. One was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> okay, you got me. You got me. Was it's this get, like 12 or how old? It was like four. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Very young. <laughs> yeah, this is. 16. Oh, that's not the a other major. One that uh, super embarrassing, but my sisters love to remind me that I used to go around saying I want to be a stark naked dump truck driver. <laughs> I had what? just learned all those words in one day and oh, I decided sick. to put them together and wow. that, that was what I was going to do. That's so, incredible. Quite yeah. the vocabulary lesson. Yeah, uh, I guess. Uh, I, feel like I kind of failed at becoming both of those. <laughs> but I guess it's still it's time. Not <laughs> yeah. It's not too late. It's not too late if you can figure it out. Never too late. Okay, last rapid fire question. What is the best purchase you've made of $150 or less? Ooh, $150 or less. Best purchase I've ever made. Hmm. That's a really good question. Yeah, I'm, first I, thing that comes to mind, something you use on a daily basis. I'm trying to think through my camera gear and nothing yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, nothing to $150 less. <laughs> too, much, too much, too much, too much. I'm to aware think. of that. You know, probably a book, honestly. is probably, um, you know... One of the books I've read recently, you know, that's most likely something that, you know, I use pretty often and you're not going to find many things that I use for my job that are under 150 bucks. Mm -hmm. um, and those are pretty much the most important material possessions I own right now in my yeah. life. So I'd say, you know, probably one of the books I've recently bought. Nice. I love it. That's great. All right, Hayden. So you briefly mentioned your love for travel. And yes. this is where I want to go next. So right now, you are living in Jackson Hole. You're an adventure photographer. But let's rewind a little bit. How did we get there? Let's, t let's talk about, uh, so we know a little bit about you. You were working a desk job. Yep. Decided to quit that desk job. Decided to travel the world for 16 months. Yeah, it was, it was around a year. Okay. But, mm -hmm. uh, talk me through that. What, what was going through your head? Where were you working? What led you to leave that? Yeah, so, you know, I... I talked about this earlier with a friend this afternoon. Um, and it's kind of cool. I just, I like to talk about it over and over again because I kind of find new things about why I decided to quit and why I decided to choose this career path. But, I don't um, know anything about talking about my trips ever. <laughs> so. By the way, guys, Matt rode his bike across the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you haven't heard that story Actually, yet. do we have 
30 minutes. I could just riff on that for a <laughs> No, bit. actually, we don't. Okay, um, we'll stick with Hayden. Back to Hayden. Okay, All right. Cool. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, I went to Dartmouth College, and it felt a lot of pressure and stress to kind of follow the line that is going into that 9-to-5 job. And, you know, mainly it was going to finance or consulting. That's kind of the only things I really knew. Um, so I kind of chose that path. And I did that job for two years. I worked uh, for a digital marketing agency uh, in Boston. And I honestly really, really loved the people I worked with. They were really good influences on me and they were very supportive of me and they helped me learn a lot. And a lot of what I learned in that job I actually used today. Um, but it was kind of just crippling my sense of adventure, my sense of curiosity. You know, I had all these ambitions. I wanted to see the Himalayas. I wanted to scuba dive the Great Barrier Reef. You know, I wanted to just explore and meet people that would kind of have a dramatic impact on my life and teach me lessons that couldn't really be taught in a classroom. Uh, that was really my biggest goal. Um, so, you know, I decided with my parents' support, which was like huge for me, you know, not having my parents' support would have made this decision so much more difficult. Um, so after two years at, at the company I worked for, I decided to quit and pack my bag and buy a one-way ticket to Hawaii and never look so back. So I'm curious because you said, you said a lot of things I think people can relate to. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to I wanna travel. I want to see these things. But what really led you to actually doing that? I think that's the biggest difference. Yeah, like was, what, was there a breaking point? Or yeah, was there a catalyst that you're like, all right, I got to, something's got to change. Yeah, there are a few things. You know, one, um, you know, living this like sedentary life that I was, was really starting to wear me down, not just physically, but mentally. And I felt like I was getting to a point that's like, I'm going to go over the deep end and not be able to climb back out. And that is kind of how I felt. And it, it was really scary. Um, another thing during this time is I'm reading this book, um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight about his travels around the world and all these amazing experiences on the people he met. And I'm also watching this documentary called Departures about these two kids that quit their job at 27 and just travel the world and document the whole process. And they go to the Himalayas, they do everything. And, you know, I just, every night I remember dreaming of like being in these places and having these experiences. And I just knew that the person I was in that moment wasn't the person I wanted to be. And that to get there, I had to take a risk and do something intensely drastic like quitting my job and leaving the security and safety of that nine to five and like the steady income behind and just kind of go out and explore and kind of a big part of it was these like direct experiences and this direct education through these experiences um and that was just really really important to me in that time and it still is today you know uh was it scary to make that decision and i'm curious what the conversation was like with your parents yeah you know my parents supported me from the moment I actually brought it up. Um, I think they kind of always have known that I'm a very independent and kind of somewhat reckless person in that way where like I'm ready to just cut ties with something and do something new. Um, they were very supportive of me and I think they probably knew that if they had said no, I still would have done it. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of, you know, a mute point. Um, that honestly, having their support made the, all the difference because I remember having friends and other, you know, close people in my life that was saying, you know, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I remember thinking, no, like, I'm not sure, like, nice, but I'm yeah. going to try because I know that what I'm doing now is what I don't want to be doing. And that was like the only confidence I really had. 
Wow. We could end the podcast right there. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the big thing is a lot of people were in that position and still are in our 40 and 50 and continue to un- realize that they're not happy, but they don't do anything about it. And it's like, it's kind of why we asked the question. It's like, what's the breaking point to be like, I need to do something. This isn't it. I don't know if traveling the world's it, but like, it's not this. So let's do anything else. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like a big regret of mine is not really appreciating learning when I was in college. You know, I kind of coasted through my first two years and just took classes that were maybe easy. And I remember having this professor in my junior year who just really taught me why learning in general, no matter the subject, is important. And so I kind of look back at being like, you know, I I feel like I missed out on parts of my college experience. Like there's so many courses I want to take, whether it was art history or more English courses. And I knew that traveling the world and actually having direct connections with these cultures and with people that lived and grew up in such different ways than I had ever experienced was a form of education and was going to teach me more about life and about myself and about the world and humanity than any course I could have taken at Dartmouth was going to teach me. And that was very important for me. Dude, yeah, that's huge. I think I was an engineer for, you know, five years and I was like, why did I go to school? I, it was all like design, design. And then I got into construction, which was totally different. And I was like, I should have just spent four years in construction and I would have been way ahead of where I am now. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's a really good, really good point. And to be able to see that, um, and go understand that, like, I need to go explore this. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing how much experiences can shape who we are. Um, I think a lot of people can relate because you said uh, you knew what you didn't want to be doing. And I think there's a lot of people out there who realize, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that, but they have trouble figuring out what they do want. Mm -hmm. You also mentioned earlier when you were talking about this breaking point, you said the person I was wasn't who I wanted to be. So I'm curious, who did you want to be? So I wanted to be like an extrovert. You know, I wanted to be someone that was willing to go up to a stranger and just have a conversation with them. I wanted to be the person that just wasn't afraid to do these things that skydived and that went scuba diving and, you know, was willing to just like walk into a room knowing no one and start a conversation. And by the end of the night, know all these facts and personal histories about these people. And I was afraid of all of those things, you know, when I was like kind of in my sheltered life, you know, um, working this nine to five job. And I just knew that this wasn't the way to become that person that in order to do that, I had to literally throw caution to the wind and just go for it. And what that meant is when you're traveling and you're just traveling as a backpacker, you don't have privacy. You don't have personal space. You have to engage with people. You know, if I wanted to take a bus somewhere, I have to talk to people because most people speak different languages. So you, you have to find a way to communicate and like to get from point A to point B. And I knew that it was time and experiences that were going to change that fact about myself and who I was as a person. And it seemed like traveling for a year around the world in all these foreign countries was the best way and the quickest way to kind of help me change and become that person I wanted to be. Did it work? I think so. You know, I mean, you know, I met you in the gym just by going up to you and talking to you and I felt super comfortable and you know ever since I've been back from my travels you know I've never really been afraid about meeting people I've always been more interested in who they are as a person and what kind of stories they have to tell Um, I think that's something very interesting about who I've become is I'm much more genuinely interested in other people's stories because 
I spent the whole year listening to people around the world tell their stories. And it was fascinating. You know, it taught me a lot about, you know, life and all the different aspects of humanity. Um, and I came back here realizing I just spent a whole year, you know, engaging with people outside of my home and outside of my country. And I never really gave my home and my family and the people here a chance. I never really had that time to engage and this past year with COVID and everything, I've really just spent 2020 and 2021 just exploring America. And it's been amazing because I've been able to have these conversations and meet these random people and just learn, you know, about my own culture, which has been really cool. That's so cool. Uh, I asked because as you were describing the person that you wanted to become, I just kept being check, check, check. Mm -hmm. That's the Hayden I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for people listening to, to dive in a little of like who you used to be, because it's funny you talk about this person you want to be. And yeah, we met at the gym, had a quick conversation and you're like, oh yeah, I'm a photographer. And I'm like, cool, we should grab beers. And you're like, yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And it just like, literally then we had beers that week and uh, you met Matt and you're totally that person. So it's hard for me to imagine who you used to be. Yeah. You know, I think um, there's really only one person in the world who knows what I used to be like. And that is my roommate who I lived with mm -hmm. um, in Boston during this time. And he's actually a kid that came on my travels with me for three months. Um, but really, I was just a kid that was super insecure and super afraid to take a risk and take a chance on things. And that just held me back from so many opportunities. Um, and I honestly disliked myself. You know, I really hated the person I was because I knew I could be these other things. I knew I could be the person that could start a conversation or make friends easily. But instead I was just moving away from that every day that went by, you know, this like mundane routine, it just, it crippled my soul. And, you know, for lack of a better word. Um, and so I spent a lot of my time, you know, watching TV and dreaming of far off places of doing these things and of this person I could be rather than actually doing it. And I knew I needed just like this huge 180 in order to actually accomplish that goal. Yeah. I, I kind of asked before and I asked two questions. So you went off on the talking to your parents, but like, so being this person who's more introverted, you say you want to be extroverted. How scary was that to be like, I know I want to become this person and I believe the way I'm going to become this person is by traveling the world. Yeah. I mean, I always knew it was inside of me. Mm. Like I always knew that it would come out if I did this thing. So I was never really afraid. I was more afraid of making the wrong decision. Like maybe I'd go travel for a year, nothing would really happen. And I'd come back being like, Oh, can I come back to work? And that's what scared me because I knew that this isn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so my biggest fear was really like, well, what is that thing then? Mm -hmm. You know, and I just, I, I was so confident that by doing this traveling, by just leaving everything behind, it would come out of me. And it did within the first month, you know, <laughs> like it didn't take very long because when you're camping every day and you're just, you just lose, you stop caring about what people think. You stop caring because you realize that everyone has their own insecurities and everyone is fearful of things and everyone has their issues. So if you just push aside those problems and just talk to someone in a very genuine way, like you actually care and want to hear their stories, all of a sudden you get this ins insane respect back and this like gen generosity and like 
it's just it was it was a very cool transformation to experience and it was very cool because it happened pretty quickly yeah Mm -hmm. that's awesome so i know taylor and i are like over here winking at each other (laughs) testicles are tingling a bit um you mentioned uh wrong decisions you were so nervous about making the right decision after your travels where you are now do you feel like it's possible to make a wrong decision for sure 100 percent. you know like I'm not as afraid of making a wrong decision anymore, though, because I know I'm going to learn something from it, and that's going to lead to me making a right decision, inevitably. Um, so what would that be a wrong decision? <laughs> I guess, you know, in the moment, it could be looked at as a wrong decision. Okay. In five years, ten years, my lifespan, you know, it's going to be looked at as, like, that was great that that happened. You know, like, I know we're going to talk about my near-death experience, and that was a wrong decision. But I'm very happy I made that decision now because that helped change my life. Right. So was it a wrong decision? Because like, you know, kind of what I, I always challenge people on this question, because I feel like you were never going to make the right decision in that moment. You were going to make that decision. You had to, again, we'll get into that story, but, um, you have to make that decision in order to learn. And maybe you don't realize that until a year or five years later. Um, but yeah, you, you weren't the person at that moment to make the quote unquote right decision at that moment. That was the right decision. Totally. And, and then you had to do that so you could learn and become the person you are now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. And I think it's really tough to have that perspective in the moment mm-hmm. when you're, you know, freaking out or you're really scared or, you know, things are going wrong. And that's just like comes with experience. That's self-awareness. That's being really understanding of like why you're making a decision and the consequences of that decision. And when you're you know, inexperienced or you're young or you're immature and you're making these decisions in the moment, it feels wrong. Like right after my near-death experience, I was like, I messed up, (laughs) Yeah. you know? And as you look back, you know, hindsight's 2020, I still think it was a bad decision to do what I did. And I still think it was very stupid, but I think it taught me a lot. And the right decision is that I looked at that experience as a moment of learning, mm-hmm. the wrong decision was going off the trail and getting lost in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> so let's dive into that. Right before we do, I just want to kind of touch on one more piece um, where um, you said it comes with experience. So now, and I feel like Taylor and I talk about this, now we're at the point where it's like, I have two choices and I'm going to make a decision and it might be the wrong decision. Who's to say right now? But this is a decision that I feel most aligned with right now. And I know whatever decision I make, I'm going to learn from it. And so having that perspective, now you've gotten older. Like, yeah, when you're younger, you're like, I don't care. I'm just doing this thing. I'm yeah, going off the exactly. trail. And, uh-huh. um, but now having that perspective and being older and gaining that experience, you can sit there. And again, let's get into the story in a second. But you can sit there in, in Hawaii on this trail and be like, we're just going to go off the trail now. And now if you were to do that again, it's like, I'm going off the trail and this might be bad. But mm-hmm. Um, I'm going for it and this might, who knows, but like, we're going to learn a lot from it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I I think you're right. It's, it's a really tough question to answer, Yeah, you know, but, um, you know, I think if this happened to me again in a couple of years, what would be different about it is how I would handle the situation and how I would be prepared, Mm. you know? So now when I go into the backcountry or go hiking, I have a lot of survival gear on me that I didn't have in that day. I have a lot of stuff where people can find me that I didn't have in that day. Um, so I think that's where you kind of get this, like, here's what you learned by making this wrong decision. So now if I make that wrong decision again, 
I'm prepared for it. Yeah. And maybe it is a right decision. Well, right. Yeah. That's the thing. You know, you're here in Wyoming and Jackson and there's mm-hmm. moose and wolves and bears and all this stuff. And it's like, if you never made that mistake in Hawaii, totally, you wouldn't have all the equipment you have now today. And today that could turn into death. Mm-hmm. I mean, but what, you didn't die. So now you're prepared now in Wyoming and doing and going off back country and stuff. And what most likely would have happened is had I not had that near death experience, is I would have gone through, gone through my travels as this, with this lack of awareness and gone to places where you can't really get into trouble, like Indonesia and Thailand and Cambodia, and something probably would have gone wrong that I would not have had the self-awareness to be prepared for. And that could have been, you know, fatal yeah. in a way. Okay, so I know the people are dying. Yeah, we got to uh, <laughs> we, we dive into it. We got to hear the story. We got to get into the travel. So um, you had this desk job. You talked to your parents. You're like, I got to do this. You buy a ticket to Hawaii. Then what? So my friend actually came with me. Um, cool story because he's my best friend from when we were nine years old. Um, so he also quit his job and came with me. Um, and we were just kind of planning on going. We didn't know how long he was going to come with me for. But basically we get to Hawaii and we're just island hopping. We're camping on the beach. We're honestly just living life like a bunch of middle 20-year-olds, you know, 25-year-olds. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> um, and we're sending all these hikes every time we go to a new island we're like okay what's like the biggest hike we can do what's the most gnarly thing we can do like let's just send it let's do it and we weren't doing any research on it we were just going with it um so we finally got to oahu it was like the fourth island i think we went to and i researched this really cool hike with um it was like ropes that you had to climb up waterfalls and it just sounded awesome it sounded like magical and it sounded a little scary and I was like, let's do this. This is going to be great. Um, and it's like, it's an unmaintained trail. So it's kind of hard to follow. So just be prepared. And, um, we end up getting in there and it had just like been a huge storm. So a bunch of trees are down and it's just like a mess back there in the woods. Um, and we get to a fork where the trail kind of just divides and one goes right and one goes left. And there's a huge pipeline to our left. And I'm thinking, you know, instinctively, like, why would they ever build a trail along a pipeline? That's not very natural. That just seems weird. So it's like, let's go right. That makes much more sense. Um, looking back at the, the research I had done, you know, it clearly says go left. <laughs> um, overlooked, you know. But um, so we end up walking up the right, and we get to the top of the peak, and we summit. And um, we see the trail that continues down this ridge line and kind of loops around. And I'm like, oh, well, it's clearly a loop. Like, that trail that went left it will come back around and we'll go out that way. So we basically just start sliding down this ridge line, you know, where my legs are spread dangling over both sides of the edge. It's probably like a thousand foot drop on both sides. And we're just kind of like inching our way. And there's a bunch of grass around us. So you don't feel like you're necessarily like hanging on to the side of a mountain. You're kind of just like, oh, I'm pretty safe. I feel pretty secure. And, um, you know, we're just kind of sliding down slowly. We get about halfway down. It's probably like 100 yards to the valley. And um, as we start getting further down, the mud starts to thicken because it had just been raining. And it's just really, really slippery. And I start, the grass actually shortens. So you start to see the exposure on both sides. And the wind picks up a little bit. And I'm just like, yeah, Jimmy, like, we need to get out of here. Like, this is not safe. We need to go back up. And he's looking back up. And he's saying, man, this is all mud. We can't just turn around and climb back out of here. Um, so basically we decide the safest route is just to get down, reassess our situation, and then we'll, we'll hike out. So we basically get down. There's no trail anymore. We're just in the middle of this like valley, like a couple thousand feet up in elevation from sea level. But if you look directly through, we can see Honolulu in the distance. And mm-hmm. so we're like, oh, 
maybe if we just bushwhack <laughs> straight towards Honolulu, we'll find a trail, we'll find a road. And in the moment, that seemed like the best option. It really was our only option. Um, so we start doing it. Uh, we bushwhack for about two hours towards Honolulu. And what we didn't think of in the moment is that we're still pretty high up. So to get to Honolulu, we have to go down and we're bushwhacking over waterfalls. You know, my buddy is literally sliding down like 10 foot waterfalls into huge pools of water. I'm throwing him our backpacks. He's like wading across, like holding the bags above us. Um, we're all ripped up. Like my shorts are just completely ripped. They're just dangling from me. Like my legs are bleeding. Neither of us speak for probably two hours while we're hiking out. You know, we're just like the adrenaline is going and we're scared. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what happens when we get to a point where, you know, the waterfall is too big or it just ends or, you know, we can't pass anymore. Sure enough, after like two hours, we get to a waterfall. It's just a 200 foot drop. And, you know, we don't really know how we got to this point because we're just bushwhacking the whole time. So there's no way to kind of turn around and climb out the way we came because, you know, there wasn't a trail. So I reach for my phone. I'm like, okay, we got to call the police. Like we're going to have to get, you know, helicoptered out of here. Like I don't know any other way. And my buddy kind of looks at me and he's like, you know, I think we can climb down this waterfall. <laughs> and uh, Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm looking over the edge like it's slick rock. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. And he like finds this route down that after I look at it, I'm like, you know what? That's not the most impossible thing. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I'll give it a try. I'll put my, I'll lean over the edge. I'll start traversing over and I'll see how it goes for 10 feet. And if I don't like it, I'm coming back. We're calling the police. And, you know, we decide this is the best decision. Um, so I pretty much lower my body over the edge. And I'm trying to get footholds in this slippery, wet rock. And I finally get my feet in. And I start lowering myself down. And to the point where I'm just completely vertical with this wall, the water is just rushing right to my right. Um, and it's just like 200-foot drop. And the scariest part is there's no pool of water at the bottom. It's just rock. <laughs> you know, the water is just, like, exploding everywhere on these, like, sharp rocks. Um, so I start like starting to traverse. Meanwhile, Jimmy's above me. He's watching me. He's like making sure I'm okay. And, you know, just kind of spotting me, I guess, you know, but not really. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden my feet just slip out from under me. They just like slip on the rocks and I'm holding onto this grass that's just holding me to the wall. And I'm just like flailing about trying to get my feet back in some holds to just maintain my position. And as I'm doing this, the grass is just ripping out of my hands. Like, it's just pluck, 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 pluck. And I just feel my body literally start slowly slipping down. And I feel myself falling. So I'm grabbing more grass and grabbing more grass and grabbing more grass. And it just keeps ripping out of my hands. And I keep sliding further down. And immediately, everything, like, kind of goes quiet. And I hear myself talking in my head. And it just, it was only one sentence. It was just, Hayden, prepare to die. And I have this like instinct to kind of curl up in a ball, you know, in the fetal position. That was kind of my instinct. Um, but before I did that, I just scream out to Jimmy. You know, I'm just like, Jimmy, I'm going to fucking die. Like, you have to save me. I'm going to fucking, I'm like screaming. And, you know, sure enough, like the grass rips and I fall. <laughs> and right as I like, right as this happens, Jimmy just reaches down, grabs me by my wrist, pulls me up. And, uh, you know, we cl I climb back up and I'm sitting atop the waterfall and we just like, we're both like sweating, ripped up, bloody, and we're just like, we're, we're not talking. We just like are sitting there just like overwhelmed with emotion and fear and everything. And we're just like staring at the ground like, holy shit, like did that just happen? So sure enough, I'm like, okay, like we got to do something now. We're still stuck. Um, so I call the police and they transfer me to search and rescue and 
the helicopter ends up coming out. You know, we're waving our clothes around. Like I'm yelling to the pilot on the phone, like, you're way too far left. And he's like telling me commands, telling me to shut up. And like, you need to tell me like left or right, up or down, like stop like crying, you know, like stop saying all this stuff. Like give me commands. Uh, finally, they find us and they're hovering right above us. And he like shoots this laser out at us, which I guess marks our location. And then they fly away. I'm like, oh, that was weird. <laughs> like, why, why do you Sick. fly away? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he calls me like 10 minutes later. He's like, don't worry, we didn't leave you. Just We were getting the search and rescue team ready. We just needed to make sure we had your location. We'll be back out in a few minutes. Sure enough, you know, 10 minutes later, they come back out, and um, they come right above us. And I see the pilot talking to the rescuer, and he's getting ready with his harness, and he's, like, opening the door, getting ready to jump out. And all of a sudden, the whole helicopter above us just, like, stops and just starts fluttering back and forth. Like, literally like a dreidel about to, like, stop its spin. And the, the captain just, like, screams at the, pot, at the rescuer who slams the door closed. They just turn around and take off out of there. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, the helicopter can't even save us. Like, what are we going to do? So, to keep the story short, they actually try this three, two more times, and they fail both times. So after three tries, it's been about an hour of us sitting there waiting. And they call us back, like, we just have to wait for this storm to pass because you're in a pocket and there's no wind and helicopters need wind to fly. Um, so he's like, if we can't get you this time, you're staying there overnight. So we'll drop you some food and water and you're going to have to just hunker down. And I'm thinking, like, no way. <laughs> like, <laughs> no shot am I doing that. Fuck like, we're, you. we're hiking out or something. Yeah. We're gonna, we'll find a way. And then so the fourth time they come out and you can tell they're like, this is the time. Like we're gonna get, the, we're gonna get these kids. So um, the guy's already standing on the, the landing pads. He's just already out of the helicopter, ready to go. The helicopter comes zooming in. The dude just jumps out, like as it's flying in, lowers down, lands right in front of me, unclips, and the helicopter flies away. So the rescuer is there with us. He has me sit down. He's just like commanding me. He's like, "Shut the fuck up! Sit the fuck down!" Like just like yelling at me. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I'm doing anything he can, um, anything he tells me. And, um, you know, finally he hooks me up. The helicopter comes back in. And I, my buddy Jimmy's sitting there, and he's really scared of heights. So I, I'm like, you need to be okay with what's going to happen because this is life or death. So the helicopter's going to raise us up. You're going to climb into the helicopter. We're going to fly us away. Everything's going to be fine. But you have to be willing to, like, be raised up and climb in. You have to get over that and accept that. And he's like, I can do that. I can do that. So I'm like, okay, great. So they hook me in, and the guy just radios. He goes, we're good. And then the helicopter just takes off, launching me in the air <laughs> oh off God. the edge. And I'm just, like, dangling below this helicopter, like, by a rope as it flies through the valley. And my buddy is just sitting back there. Watches the whole thing. Wow. He should have gone first. He's <laughs> freaking out. And he's – I remember him telling me he was just, like, I was just praying to God the whole time. You know, like, I, he was really scared. But they went back. They got him. You know, they, they low us down in a soccer field. There's, like, 20 cop cars, fire trucks, ambulances. All the locals are out on their balcony, like, watching this happening. And I'm just like, oh, my God, like, this is going to cost me 10 grand. This is going to be, like, such a horrible, like, way to start my travels around the world. And it ends up not costing me anything because in Hawaii, the taxpayers pay for search and rescue, so it's free. So I go to the police officer. I'm like, what do you need from me? He's like, nothing. I'll call you an Uber. Calls me an Uber. I get in the car, and we leave. And it's just like, that's the end of it. So, obviously, to finish off the story, me and Jimmy go to the nicest restaurant in Honolulu, 
order like a two hundred bottle, <laughs> a two hundred dollar bottle of wine, yeah. like filet mignon. We're oh, having yeah. a blast, and you know, we end up telling the bartender our story, and she goes back to tell the whole kitchen staff. And they all come out to like talk to us about being rescued from the mountains, and you know, that was the way I started my trip around the world. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> that's incredible. I am, I am messed up right now. I got so many emotions. That was, <laughs> that was better than the first time. Yeah. That was a great story, that, is straight up out of a movie. Yeah, right. The way, like the way Jimmy grabbed you, like right as you were falling, that's movie. Mm-hmm. And then being whipped away. I'm curious. By you've helicopter. probably told this story how many times? Hundreds. I mean, it's the best story I have. You know, like for sure. The rest of my travels around the world. I'd always. If you got a better one, yeah. <laughs> wow. I'll take that one up. Uh, uh, man. So I'm curious. You've told this a lot. Mm-hmm. You've moved on from that. You've done a lot of things. Uh, I'm curious though, if any sensations or emotions come up as you're telling that story, like, does, does it take you back to that place? Can you remember that? The one thing that I still feel that's linked to trauma is I can still feel that slipping sensation. So when I talk about it, I do get like little chills up my back because I remember that feeling of slipping and how helpless I felt and like, just like death, you know, like Mm. that's, what's going to happen. Like you're just done. There's nothing you can do. Um, so still when I'm climbing, you know, I push myself to kind of get over this by doing some big climbs, like climbing in the Tetons and still when I'm going down, I'm really scared and I get really nervous and I get really like shaky with my feet just because I know what it feels like to slip Mm -hmm. and I know how easy it is to slip. So that's really the only thing that, you know, I still keep with me from that. And I try to push myself to do some crazy things like climbing the Grand Teton and you know, doing some other climbs and some other, you know, gnarly hikes just to kind of push myself past that and not let that define me. But, you know, obviously it's difficult. Yeah. So it's not letting it define you, but how has that shaped maybe how you live your life now? Well, I mean, it just shows you, you know, like any near-death experience is going to show you like this huge, immense appreciation for everything you have in your life. It's going to, you know, really tell you all the things that you want to do you know, before you die. And like, it shows you that like rapidly in your mind, all these images kind of go through of like having kids, having a family, traveling the world, doing these things and seeing these things that you've always dreamt of and realizing in that moment that, well, you can't do them anymore because you're going to die. So yeah, you know, like all that kind of goes through your head. And when you're back on the ground, you're like, all right, let's go do those things. You know, let's make that happen because, you know, Memento Mori, right? You, <laughs> took, you took the words right I, out of I my know, mouth. I felt it, man. Uh, Ryan Holiday, this is our other shout out. Yeah. Um, Stoicism. You want to you talk about it? No, you know Memento uh, Mori. Remember death yeah, is what it uh, means. Yeah, Memento Mori is, uh, I believe it's Latin. It's part of Stoic philosophy that is translated to remember death or remember um, that we will die. And that's the only thing that's promised. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's a wild experience. Yep. Um, but I think most people can relate and it sounds morbid, but when you realize that, you know, we're all going to die at some point. And Matt and I have this conversation a lot and I have it a lot with clients, but it's like when you're on your deathbed and you're looking back on your life, are you going to regret, you know, not sending more emails, doing that desk job, or are you going to regret, you know, trying things, traveling the world? And, uh, I love that story. And I'm, I'm so glad that you were here to share that because, you know, people don't have to do this wild thing. But just taking one step, you know, uh, would be better than having regret at the end of their life. Totally. You know, I got I got a quick, I got to ask when you're hanging there and you, and you have this thought in your head, Hayden, get, get prepared to die. 
was there anything else going through your head? Cause I think about this often where it's like, I'd be like, I, can I just call my mom once more, <laughs> you know, or can I call, you know, my brother or, or my dad and, you know, can I get on, can I get a conference call FaceTime real quick? Like, <laughs> you know, I got three seconds yeah. of fall time. You know, mm-hmm. was there, was there one thought or one person that kind of came in your head or? No, that was pretty much it. You know, I was like, you're in survival mode, survival mode. Mm-hmm. So obviously you're just thinking about protecting your body. Um, and honestly, all I'm thinking of is like, okay, I'm like calculating everything, right? I'm like 200 foot fall, sharp rocks. How do I contort my body so I don't die? <laughs> like, what do I do so that when I do fall, I survive somehow? So I once read a thing, just total side note, uh, maybe it was Quora or something, but if you were to fall, I think it was about skydiving, but if your parachute didn't open, you actually want to do like a pencil dive, Yeah. stick your toes out, because the more impact that your bones can absorb, like, hey, we'll break our feet, and our legs, ankles, yeah. legs, all the way up, and hopefully our heart doesn't explode. But mm-hmm. yeah, if you were to be in that fetal position, likely you'll just fucking explode. At that yeah. Point. <laughs> yeah. But you actually would want to be like kind of pencil. Yeah. So just I mean, note that, guys. If you ever <laughs> yeah. free fall, so. try to be a pencil. It's good to know. Man. Yeah. yeah. It is good to know. Think about calling your mom, dad, pencil. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Remember this yeah. podcast. Ticonderoga. <laughs> it's my safe word. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So you survive. You get helicoptered out. You go mm-hmm. have a big steak dinner. The next logical step is you go home, right? You go, go back home. to the Dex job. You, you quit the plans to travel the world, right? Is that what happened? No, that's not what happened at all. I mean, so I actually did go home. Okay. You know, I did kind of just need this like recharge. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, let's, let's reassess what we're doing. Dude, I think my heart rate's at like 120 right now. I, I like <laughs> yeah. can't come down from the I, store. I felt I, the chills. Uh, dude, I felt like sure. I was there. I was uh-huh. well told and Thank Man, you. Yeah. But yeah, so I did go home. I spent a week at home. Um, I think I went home for Christmas. Um, and, you know, me and, me and my friend Jimmy, we talked a lot about what we we're going to do. You know, I talked to my parents. I actually called my mom right after. It was the first thing I did. I called yeah. my mom and I was like, don't freak out, but this just happened because I just wanted to hear my mom's voice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in the end of the day, we decided and my family supported me. It was like, we got to get back out there. Like, we just got to do it. Um, There's going to be a huge mistake if we let this end our trip, let this end our travels. Um, Dude, I don't mean to interrupt, but it's kind of like, I talk about this with my clients where you ask for something from the universe. You're asking to be more extroverted. You want to build these relationships. You want to be this higher self of of yourself. And when you ask for that from the universe, God, gods, whatever you believe in, Mm -hmm. it's going to test you. For and sure. it's going to say, do you really want this? And that was your first test to be like, hey, man, you almost died. Yeah. Now you're going to go home and, and be the, you know, desk jockey? Or mm-hmm. are you going to keep going and keep pursuing what you really wanted to be and this person you want to become? And that's you stepping up and saying, yes, mm-hmm. I want this. Let's do it. I'm in. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely, it was a huge challenge. You know, I remember just being like, I wasn't even physically exhausted. I was just like mentally drained. I didn't even know what to, how to comprehend the next day. I didn't know what to do. I remember the whole emotions hit my buddy the next day. So we were out there having a steak dinner and I'm like still like kind of crying and I'm just like, you know, Jimmy's just like, man, we're fine. Like, what's your problem? Mm. And you know, we wake up the next morning. I'm like, I'm just going to go to the beach and swim. And Jimmy's like, I can't leave. Like the whole day he's just like, I'm so sorry. Like I'm so, he just couldn't stop apologizing Mm. because he felt like it was his fault. And side note, what was really, really cool. What he said to me that morning, he said, you know, we were talking about how he saved my life. And he's like, yeah, what was I supposed to do, man? Go home to Mrs. Lynch and tell him, tell her I lost your, your son. Jeez. And uh, I remember, like, hearing him say that and knowing that, like, that was the truth. Like, he really believed that. Like, he was willing to die for me. 
and that was a connection that me and him, you know, that will never go away. Like that is like best friends forever, for yeah. sure. So we recollected ourselves and, uh, you know, we got back on the horse, bought a one-way ticket to Fiji and sent <laughs> it back out across the world and, you know, kept going. Dude, oh my God, I'm like so, <laughs> I'm just like feel warm right now with that. I love that mm -hmm. friendship, that brotherhood. Um, but on that same vein, <laughs> let's go, baby. Let's I'm saying, go. I'm saying it now, by the way. <laughs> on that same vein, um, we talked about letting things define you and letting that moment, again, kind of define you. And even still today, right, you're still going on hikes and you still tremble going down, you know, a climb or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Um, and I think a lot of people deal with that where whether it's, it could be so many things in people's life, like maybe a death of another family or a breakup or like what, like maybe your spouse dies or whatever. And then like no one opens up to love again, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like, no, you know, like this is such an important part of your life and growth and like this is what fills you up. So you got to keep doing the things. You kind of have to face that totally. feeling of slipping again uh -huh. because like this is what you love doing. Yeah. And for people to kind of, I don't know, like, let one thing to be like, this is it. Ryan, I know Taylor does a lot of this with his clients where it's like, sometimes we don't even know that that's what's happening, but these stories we tell ourselves define our life. And again, we're not open to love again, or we stop doing the adventures because of this one moment. And I, I love that you just like continue to go out there and do, do the things that fill you up. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of like, well, what else are we going to do? You know, I quit <laughs> my job. Like he quit his job, you know, and it was just like, this is the only thing that makes sense to me right now is to like just get back on a plane and go. And it was comforting going to Fiji and not going somewhere really crazy, you know, like going to the Himalayas um, because mostly what we we're going to be doing was spending time on an island. But um, yeah, it was definitely, you're right. You know, it was good to remember that you can't let this define you and that through experience and time, it was only going to get easier to handle this. And at worst, you have a really cool story to tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, becomes a practice. It's mm -hmm. very much about getting the reps in. And I love what you said. I remember when we met, you were, uh, we met at the gym at Omnia and you were training to hike the Tetons, right? Yep. And now hearing this story and you're like, I knew I have to do that. I have to keep pushing myself mm -hmm. so that it d doesn't define me. And it's funny because this summer, uh, I told this story on a previous podcast, but uh, we talked about skydiving and the short version, I had a friend who invited me to go I, for her 30th birthday, I said yes. As soon as I did, I got so scared. Mm -hmm. And then it was like... Yeah, it becomes real. <laughs> you know, and I remember talking to you about it, talking to Matt, and you guys are like, I love being the type of person. And and it's funny because I never questioned. I was like, actually, now that I know I'm not scared, I have to do it. Yeah. I just have to do it. And I know you're the same way. Totally. Where you're like, no. And that's what you did here, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you, you took the time, which is, was, is reasonable, and you were like, no, I have to. Now more than ever, more than sitting in the desk job, back mm -hmm. home it's like I have to go do this well you know like the more you do things the more experiences you have you know the better you become at handling them the better you become at dealing with fear so like the first time you go skydiving you're filled with this fear and you're super scared and nervous the fifth time you go skydiving you're ready to jump out that plane and you're probably still scared and it's yeah. probably still that really like a tense adrenaline and excitement but you're scary more and excited you're more comfortable with it you're more ready for it the next time and it was just like traveling it's just like now I've gotten really into climbing because I want to get good at that. I want to become sure-footed. Sure I want to make sure that, like, I'm not scared. And every mountain I climb, it gets easier. You know, every country I traveled to, I got more comfortable, you know, and those experiences got better. And I was able to kind of just dive into those cultures, into those places more wholeheartedly than, you know, I might have been had I just been like, 
I'm done. I give up. Yeah. Oh, man, such is life. Everything you just said. Uh-huh. Right, Taylor? You can't have your 50th without the first. You know, we went snowboarding today, and I was hitting some jumps, and I'm like, I never would have been, like, hitting these things, like, you know, whatever, a year ago or even the beginning of the season. But rep after rep, it gets easier. Yeah. And that is just literally life. Mm-hmm. Travel, all the things that you're so afraid to do. You do it once, and it's like, oh, I'm alive. That actually wasn't yeah. so bad. And, you uh-huh. know, Taylor can talk about story work, but we make this, this stuff up that it's like, this is going to be terrible. Everyone's going to make fun of me. Uh, and then you do it. And it's like, actually no one made fun of you. And, uh, yeah. and you've learned something. And now the, the second one's going to be better. And then mm-hmm. by the time you do it the 50th time, it's easy. Jumping out of the plane is easy now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love it. Man, this is so good. Okay, so I want to dive into a little bit of your travels. And then I'd love to talk about what you're doing now and kind of how you got there. So um, we actually we posted on Instagram to, to uh, some of our followers – Send any questions you had. So it was really to all of our followers, wasn't it? <laughs> well, one of us is not on Instagram at oh, the yeah. moment. That's me. What's uh, up? He's, he's going dark on you guys. Don't worry. He'll be back by the time you hear this. Um, so uh, kind of a synopsis. So basically Hawaii, then you traveled for a year yep. all over the world. Um, what was your favorite place and why? Yeah, I get that question pretty much. That's the most asked question I get when I tell people I travel the world. Um, I don't really have one. I think I have three. Um, I'll allow it. (laughs) I do. I might honestly put Nepal at the top and I might put it number one, honestly, just because it was such a special place. Um, What made it special? The people I met for sure. And I had another kind of scary experience in Nepal where I got really, really sick with the flu. Um, and I actually had to get helicoptered out to a hospital. Big helicopter. This guy, guy loves the helicopter. This is only four months after Hawaii, and I'm just like, are you when kidding me? Start? Yeah, you when are you going to be a pilot? I, I mean, you know. got the headset on right now. <laughs> the writing is on the wall. Uh-huh. And this actually is a really cool story because, you know, I'm like, I have like a 104 fever. You know, I'm throwing up. Like, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm, I'm dying. And I'm in Nepal, like deep in the mountains. So I'm really scared because I just know there's no infrastructure out there. That if I do get really sick, like... To, what are you going to do? You know, you're just going to drink water and have soup and hope you get better. And I knew I needed fluids and I needed a hospital. And so they're actually like, my guide is like pretty much carrying me down to the helipad to take me to Kathmandu to the hospital. And, um, helicopter lands were like five minutes out. And I just know that uh, I have to get there and I just have to get like fluids in me. I have to rest. Like I'm feeling horrible. Um, and right as I get down to the helipad, the helicopter just takes off. I'm like, that was weird. Like, why would it do that? And uh, sure enough, you know, a bunch of clouds had rolled in and a bunch of fog. And the guy who was running the helipad is just like, yeah, it's too dangerous. We can't have a helicopter come till tomorrow morning. Oh, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I can't do it. Like, I can't stay here another night. But obviously, I have to. So, you know, I take some Advil and Tylenol and end up falling asleep, force feed, you know, some soup into me and actually wake up the next day feeling great. Um, you know, and I ended up suffering for a couple more days of like not eating. I ended up losing 15 pounds in like three days. Um, so and the, the, fat diet. the Nepal diet. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good um, one to go on. Everyone write that down. Quick, yeah. next quick, one. quick diet. Yeah. Um, Hayden's working on the ebook right now, guys. <laughs> yeah. He will actually fly you in a helicopter to Nepal. <laughs> drop Just you for off. this experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. It's, uh, it's $10,000. <laughs> thought COVID was bad. But it definitely works. But, uh, you know, this was. <laughs> you know, seeing, seeing Mount Everest was immensely important to me. 
it was like my goal from the beginning of the trip was to see Mount Everest and get up to it and pick up a rock from it. Um, and we were about three, three or four day hike away from just seeing it. We were a 10 day hike from getting there. And so I was just kind of like, oh man, like I'm not going to see Mount Everest. And I started coming to terms with like, I'm going to go home. Like, and again, the trip's over. It's like four months into a year. I'm like, here we go. Like I'm going to go home, I'll rest. And then I'll come back out. You know, that was like just what I was starting to accept because I knew I had to accept it because it was going to happen. Um, ended up resting another day and we started just doing short hikes to the next place and the next place. And then soon enough, you know, I'm like leaning over this peak and seeing Mount Everest in the distance. And I'm like, cool. I saw it. Like, I'm good. I saw it. And then sure enough, my buddies, they're like, nah, you can make it one more day. Like we got this. And you know, I make it to the next place. I start feeling better. My strength comes back. I start gaining more weight and I'm just like, okay, okay. And sure enough, 10 days later, we're sitting at Everest base camp, you know, and, uh, that was, that was really special for me. Um, because I had two of my best friends with me and this guide who was leading us became kind of a family member to me and kind of like almost like a father figure, like a mentor in a way. Um, and just the culture they have in Nepal, everyone is very kind. You know, people took care of me, people that didn't know me at all. You know, I remember staying in um, a tea house and the people running the tea house were just bringing me water and bringing me food and you know, this is their livelihood. Like, I should have been paying for all this stuff, but they didn't care. They weren't asking for money. They were just like, you have to eat. You need to have the soup. You need to have these vegetables. You need to drink this water. And they just, like, I would wake up with two Nalgene's full of water that I had already finished, and, like, they had kept filling them. And then I remember that night I actually woke up with uh, two pillows under my head, and my head was propped up. And I looked over, and my guide is sleeping on his backpack on the mattress. And it was just like, I'd known this guy for five days. And it was just like, wow, like that is just like pure generosity, pure like the definition of kindness and like caring. And, you know, that just really spoke to me. That really like was touching. And the fact that we all made it there together and, you know, my guide had brought these cookies from Kathmandu that we were all going to share. And when he cracked it open, it was just like, oh, my God, I can't believe this moment's happening. You know, Everest is right there. And, uh yeah, it became a very special place for me because of that. Okay, so follow-up question. This may be the same or different, uh, but who is the most memorable human you met? For sure, my guide. Yeah, his name's Sokol. Um, he lives in a small village, um, Rapsha. Um, yeah, he was just super influential to me just because of his charisma, his ability to take care of me, you know, his ability to just, like, go through hardships and just keep a smile on his face. And I know you hear that a lot about foreign people and people in these more underdeveloped countries, but, like, this truly was who he is, you know, like he is that person that just was always smiling. You know, we'd play chess every night in the tea houses trying to acclimate and yeah, he was just a very special person. And, you know, I hope to get back to Nepal soon and see him again because, you know, sending adventures with him was pretty awesome. Dude, you get me fired up and inspired to travel. (laughs) I love it. It reminds me of the bike trip and like, dude, you, you go across country and you're on this bike with all your gear on it and people are like, what are you doing? And, you know, you're in, like, Missouri or whatever, yep. Kansas, and then you're, like, biking to California. Or for me, it was Oregon. And, like, what? And they're, like, yeah, they're like, oh, my God, come over. Mm-hmm. Like, I got a bed. You can do laundry. We actually have a ton of food. I'll cook you dinner, all this stuff. And I'm, like, coming from the East Coast, New York City, Connecticut, I'm, like, I would never invite a stranger, a dirty stranger on a bike <laughs> who smells like into my home it's long hair, but yeah, yeah. Right. It's long now. It was, yeah. I thought it was long then, but yeah. Um, but it's incredible. Like what humans, I just, 
man, it warms my heart hearing you tell that story. And I think the more you experience that, it's like people are good. Mm-hmm. People really are good. And we, uh, this is kind of like episode one, right? We're inundated with the news and all this stuff of this negativity. And, you know, 2020 was like, all oh, this bad things is happening. It's like good things are happening too. There are totally s- billions of good people out there. Mm-hmm. But all we get fed is this negativity because that's what sells and that's what makes money and that's what keeps people coming back for more. Um, but truly, there's these um, incredible people out there and it's like <laughs> you don't realize it until you go out and, and experience it for totally. yourself. And on that note, man, I'd love to hear your stories. You know, I'd love to hear a person that was super influential for you or something, someone that just had an impact for you because I'm, you know, you just said you met tons of people that were super kind to you and I'm imagining there's a person that was just had a very large impact on you. And I'd, I'd just love to hear about it. Yeah. We could, I could hit it now. We could talk, we could talk about it after because people have heard my story. So I don't Fair wanna, enough. Fair yeah. Enough. This yeah. is about you right now, but I'll, right. I'll tell you a bit, of, a bit about it after. Awesome. So you ended up traveling for about a year. I'm sure we could spend 10 hours right now just hearing all the stories. But I'd love to hear how that shaped, you know, who you are. You came back to the States and now you're a world-class adventure photographer. You know, what, what are you doing now? How did, how did that transition happen? And how did you fall in love with photography and storytelling and writing? Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of just happened for me. You know, when I was traveling, I was journaling every day and writing all my, my memories down, everything that happened to me that day. And I just, I knew that because traveling was just so chaotic that I didn't want to forget anything. I wanted to have this diary when I got home that I could just flip through and just read these stories and read these emotions that I was feeling in that moment and kind of relive it. Um, and I kind of thought going into this traveling that I'd, by the time I got back, I would know what I wanted to do. Cause that's like what you think as an amateur kid. And obviously I came back October. Uh-uh. Hold on. I will, I will tell you <laughs> cause I met people on my bike ride who did the bike ride who are not immature kids who were searching for something. Sure. And they were searching so hard. They never found it. Yeah. Where it's like, if, and you can attest to this, you live in the moment more totally and just experience the journey, not the destination. That's when you can end up finding it. But when you try so hard, and it, we talk about this with finding passion, right? It's like, like I need to find my passion, and I need to like, oh, it's gonna find me or all this stuff. It's like, no, you just you gotta go try stuff and be open to accepting what might happen. Totally, you know, that's that's a good point, and you know, that's that's 100% what actually ended up happening. But um, you know, when I got home, I just wanted to really, all I wanted to do was tell my stories, you know, because that was like, I was like, I had this amazing experience. Like, I just want to share it with people. I want people to be inspired to go have their own adventures and make their own stories. So I ended up just starting writing my stories down. And, you know, I thought maybe I can submit these to some magazines. You know, maybe I can reach out to my alumni magazine or some airline magazines and start selling these. And, you know, maybe that's how I could make a living. And I worked really hard at it for, honestly, only about six months. Um, and I published, you know, three or four articles. Um, and every time I would publish these articles, the magazine and the editor kept coming back and saying, we need pictures to supplement this. And I was just having these crappy iPhone pictures. And I was like, yeah, I don't really have really good pictures, but, you know, here you go. And the more articles I wrote, the more I realized, like, if I could just capture some moments with photography, you know, I could really create a business. And all of a sudden it was like, let's buy a camera. <laughs> like, let's do this. So last May, I think it was, um, I picked up a camera for the first time and just started taking pictures. You know, I didn't really know what to do. I was watching YouTube videos and asking some friends, and 
I'd take my dogs out on walks and sunset and just let them run around and start trying to take pictures of them in good moments and good light. And um, I just kept working at it. And all of a sudden, I realized that photography was so much more about being in this moment and immersing yourself with people and friends and animals. And it was much more exciting to me. It was like I get to do what I love by being outside and being with people I love. And I get to tell those stories, too. Writing for me became this thing like I had to do. You know, this is how you're going to make a living. And it was also just a very lonely career. You know, every day I'm writing these articles, I'm just by myself in my room. So I'm inside, I'm by myself. These are two things I don't want to be, you know. So all of a sudden I pick up a camera and I start doing these things. And it's just like, yes, like it just clicked. I was like, this is, this is for me. I want to try to do this. And honestly, I, I've gone out and shot pretty much every single day or you know, watch YouTube videos or taking courses or just tried something new pretty much every single day since. And I've seen some progress and I've started to see some money out of it. And it's definitely something I'm super passionate about. So I'm ready to go all in on it, you know? Yeah. I want to ask, because I know we had a conversation, maybe it was last week, I think, um, about you telling more stories because, you know, to be totally honest with you right now on the podcast, like you're an incredible photographer. I don't right now, and maybe I'm not following the right things, but I don't see you as a storyteller right now. And I kind of challenge you to like, give me more story. Totally. You know, and we, we've shared this Chris Burkhardt story, uh, podcast where he's like, yeah, I could tell you what, you know, the Mount Everest base camp looks like, but he's like, I want to, I want to get deep into that. Like, what yeah. is the snow crunch under my feet? And mm -hmm. what, what does it feel like to click the shutter button in that moment? And what is that like for me? And all those things. And it's like, that's what I would love to see more from you. Uh, again, not totally. to, put, to put you on spot right now, but like to challenge you because I think you are a good storyteller. I mean, f shit, I just got chills from, <laughs> from all the things. I'm like sitting here, you know, uh, hand on my chin. Uh -huh. Like I'm, I'm raptured in, into yep. your deep blue eyes right now. Mm -hmm. I'm loving all of this. And I want to see that in the writing more. And I think that's what you love anyway. And that's kind of where you were telling stories. And you're like, now I need photos for this. And it's like, well, now I'm just seeing the photos. What happened to the storytelling? Totally. And, and that was the whole kind of point, right? So it's like, let's get both of those back into yeah, it. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think it just comes with practice and comes with experience. And, you know, obviously it comes with the support from your friends and people pushing you to be better and to challenge so. yourself. Um, but, you know, it's difficult. Like, when you're learning a new skill, like photography, something that's so vast yeah. and just difficult, it's really easy to just focus on capturing a picture and less about telling a story. And so I think it is like an evolution within the career that it will come full circle. And I know I can work harder at it and I, I want to. And I think, you know, coming down here to Denver, going on this road trip with my buddy over the next week to Utah, you know, going on these trips is where these stories are going to come out of and where I'm going to be able to challenge myself more to capture them and tell them. And, you know, I think over the past eight or so months, it's just been like, let's learn photography. Let's really understand it and let's know how to capture a good picture and capture a moment and then let's begin to tell stories with it. Mm -hmm. So it's great. It's something that I can continue to challenge myself. You never want to do something that you're going to never be challenged in or it's going to be easy for you. So, you know, here's another challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, photography was going because like you said, <laughs> it's so vast. It never ends. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think that's great. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. By the way, guys, definitely go check out Hayden's Instagram, see his work. It is incredible. And we'll link in the it show hasn't, notes. it hasn't even been a year. 
right? Like this Not is, year, this yeah. is wild. When you guys see his work, it's, it's incredible. And it just goes to show that try the things Matt and I talk about it all the time, likely almost every episode, do something, take risks, get out of your comfort zone. So Hayden, I'm curious, what is some tangible things people could do? If they're sitting here and they're like, man, this is incredible. You know, I am not the person. I could never do that, right? I hear, you know, I've heard Matt's bike story probably more than any single person. Mm. And every time, though, you know, people... You know, I was married and in a relationship for seven and a half years, right? Okay, okay. <laughs> we're, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Uh, every time, though, people are like, oh, my God, I could never do that. And Matt's just like, yeah, you could. Like, anyone could. And I'm sure you're the same way. Totally. People are like, oh, I couldn't travel the world or, oh, I couldn't hike you know, the Tetons or whatever. And you're like, yeah, sure you could. So I'm curious for these people, what are, what are some small steps for anyone that's like afraid of taking a risk or getting out of their comfort zone? You know, that's not maybe traveling the world, quitting their job. Yeah. I mean, you really just have to go out and do it. Right. You know, like that's what you guys both preach with your courses and that's what, you know, is pretty much what I've learned. You know, I think when I started out with photography, what really helped me is I looked at photography as super overwhelming. So first when I started learning how to write, it was kind of just like, I'm going to write everything and read everything and this is going to help me. And it was never very organized. It was never like, well, why don't you just try writing a short story or why don't you try like writing, you know, one of your father's stories down and like sharing that or just like doing different writing styles. So with photography, I took a different approach where I focused on one aspect of photography until I felt comfortable doing it. So it was like, maybe like, I'm gonna learn how to shoot low light today and this week and this month. And I'm just gonna only do that until I'm like, okay, I feel pretty comfortable with it. And then next week or next month, I'm gonna do only portraits and I'm just gonna shoot people and moving subjects and astro. And it just kept going on, but I just focused on one thing at a time. And as I learned 10 things, I all of a sudden then I just, I was really comfortable with my camera. So that made learning new things easier. And then I became really comfortable with people. So that made shooting people easier. And then I became really comfortable capturing a moment and reading light. And it just all kind of came together. And I'm still learning every single day, you know, like mm. I'm still learning from you and I'm still learning from, you know, all of my peers that I go out and shoot with. And that's the best part is I'm always a student, which is really cool. But, you know, I think you're never going to know if you're passionate about something until you try it. And I, even though it's super overwhelming. Amen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even though it's super overwhelming, you just got to do it one step at a time. And you just got to take one part of it. Like, you want to run a marathon? <laughs> go go run one mile. And, Dude, you yes. Know, oh, yes. my God. I'm fucking jizzing everywhere right now. <laughs> like, my favorite, I think it's Justin Sue, a little by little becomes a lot. I didn't just ride my bike across country. I rode my bike to work three miles for, like, months. And I was like, biking is cool. Like on a city bike, like a beach cruiser, it was terrible. And then I was like, I'll just, you know, get my own bike. And then, you know, then I did 10 miles and three laps around Central Park, which is 18 miles. Uh, then up to the GW and back into Jersey. And like, I, I, little by little. And then I was like, cool. And I did 30 miles, 40 miles, 50 miles. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm like, what else can I do? Oh, 100 miles. Like uh -huh. rode to my mom's house. Put a, she gave me a 12-pack of shock top, <laughs> strapped it to my bike, and I was jingling all the way back to New York City. I did a century ride. I'm like, then what's next? I don't know. I'm going to ride the bike cross country. And, but it was all this little steps, months after month after day of, of like learning how to fix a flat. Then it's like, okay, now I got to learn like, oh, I got to get a, you know, a bike light, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and a bell for New York City. And yeah. like, 
when I started to say, learn how to change a flat, like all these little things that go into biking. But all of a sudden, now I know how to fix a lot of things that's wrong with a bicycle, you know, fix a chain. I could replace your chain and lubing it and all that stuff. But it's like, I didn't just learn this sh shit. And then tomorrow I run my bike cross country. It was like, it was all these little steps. And I always say this, like, you don't have to quit your job and go travel the world exactly. or quit your job and go to Colorado and be a personal trainer like I did. Like, you don't have to do all these things, but you can ride your bike three miles today if that's something you want to do. You can take the dance class. We talked about that. You can maybe do a week in Hawaii mm -hmm. and do some hikes that you're – Go climb a mountain. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. yeah. Go off trail. Mm -hmm. Find some waterfalls. Totally. Uh, slip and almost die. Yeah, uh, sick. Take, oh, take the pipeline route. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Just take yeah. the pipeline route. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that. I think too many people get overwhelmed with the big picture. And just like you were talking about with photography, I'm going to focus on one thing today. There's another quote. I don't know if I've dropped this on you yet, Matt. No way. Dude. Tiny what? pieces build big machines. Oh, and that's what came like to mind that. when you said that. Tiny that's pieces what, build big machines. And it's like. What lady say about me? <laughs> Hit. We'll edit that out. Well, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to move on from there. Uh, we'll keep that in. Uh, and it's so true. It's like also that Justin Sue quote, little by little, a little becomes a lot. And it's just take one step today. Totally. So I've got one last question. Hit it. Earlier, you said you were not the person you wanted to become. And you def you, then you defined that person for us. And now we're sitting here looking at that person. So now I want to ask you, who are you becoming? Oh, fuck me up, Taylor. What a question. <laughs> All right, sorry, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, I keep, it keeps changing. You know, listening to Chris Burkhardt's podcast changed that all for me yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, you know, meeting fellow photographers changes that for me. You know, it's kind of like last year was just like, let's learn photography. I want to be a photographer, so I want to learn how to do it. And now it's kind of like, well, okay, you kind of know photography. Like, well, what do you want to do with it? Who do you want to become? What do you want to share with the world? And I've always wanted to, really, after traveling, I've always wanted to get people to kind of have those experiences and get people to be out of the comfort zone and to me, the only way to do that is by sharing my stories and inspiring people. And so I think that is what's next. It's being a storyteller, being a teacher, being someone that can go do these crazy adventures and show people how they can too. You know, so when the borders open up and when I feel like I'm in the right mindset, you know, I'm going to go to Mongolia or I'm going to go to sub-Saharan Africa or I'm going to mm. drive from you know, Colombia to Chile or go to Antarctica. And these are goals of mine. You know, I've made a list of big things I want to do. Like I want to sail across the Atlantic Ocean. I want to live on a deserted island for a week. I want to do these crazy intense things so I can learn what it's like. I want to live with nomadic tribes in Mongolia. And I want to then capture those stories and learn from those experiences and from the people that I'm with. And I want to bring them back and share them with people and inspire people and show them that you can do them too. And that's inevitably always been my goal, whether I've known it or not. Now mm. that I feel somewhat comfortable with a camera and writing, I feel like I'm getting closer to getting to become that person. But uh, honestly, it's just about working hard every day at it and just maintaining that passion and that creativity and, you know, hoping and <laughs> making sure it, you know, it comes and works out. So... Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love I'm it. Raptured. I love I'm it. raptured by Hayden right now. You I'm said so, that I'm, earlier. I'm so I've never it. heard you use that word, raptured. That's yeah, I've been watching a lot of Jurassic Park. So, <laughs> got raptors on the mind and wow. I'm raptured. Uh, dude, I think you said it perfectly where it's like, that's it, man. Like, things can change. Totally. And that's okay. You wanted to get really good at photography, 
you are now. So now what do you do with that? And like, that was the goal. And now the goals can shift and like, maybe the story changing changes, you know, mm -hmm. maybe that's not the thing in, in five years, but you're going after that right now. And it's okay to do the thing. And then it changes because you're going to, you're going to grow, you know, along totally. the way. And mm -hmm. that's super important. And it's like, you're not going to grow by sitting there and doing the shit that you hate. So, I mean, a year ago today, so I was pursuing just trying to become an author. Yeah. I really thought like, this was my passion. I really thought this is my purpose in life was to be an author, to write a book one day. And that's not to say I won't try to one day, but I now am like fully engrossed in photography. And yeah. that is something that makes my heart flutter, that excites me. Writing was not. So because you picked up a camera. Exactly. Because you tried it. And what is it going to be a year from now? five years from now who am I going to be what life events are going to happen to me that's going to change my perspective and yeah we'll see oh, awesome man. Hayden you make my heart flutter oh, you do too man <laughs> oh, thanks. thanks buddy oh. awesome Hayden thanks so much uh, for having us on where where can people find you what's the best place um, to so connect you can find me on Instagram for sure um, cinch Hades, and you can you know I always answer my DMs I got my email on there you can email me I love talking to people. Anyone wants to talk, ask questions about traveling, photography, honestly, anything, I love it. So oh, I could yeah. talk for hours about all this stuff. Yeah, catch this guy in Clubhouse. Big Clubhouse. Totally. Yeah, big Clubhouse. <laughs> I'm yeah. on Clubhouse now. I love talking and meeting people. Um, so if you guys do have any questions, just reach out to me, DM me, whatever. I'll answer. Thanks. I cannot wait to see you for the next big adventure. Totally. Yeah, hell yeah. And he said he's posting his best photo tomorrow, which <laughs> you guys won't, you know, He'll have posted it a few weeks ago by at this point, by the time you hear it. But uh, just keep looking out because the next one's going to be even better. For sure. And uh, this guy's a great photographer, a great storyteller. Uh, I love hanging out with him. Uh, such a joy to have you on the podcast. So yeah. thanks again. Guys, like, subscribe, leave a review. You can win $150. And I think that's it, Taylor. Any final words? No. Thanks again, Hayden. Yeah, appreciate you guys having me.